0: Hey guys, this is your girl Lira, and you're listening to Self Reflection Podcast. Thank you guys for joining me on another episode of Self Reflection Podcast. Today we have Francis Wong on Self Reflection Podcast. Francis is a professor at San Francisco State University. Um, He teaches Asian American Studies, and um, he is also the co-founder of um, Asian Improv a musician and an activist. Please help me welcome Fences. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be here with me to, you know, share your knowledge and also just encourage the youth uh, oh yeah oh
1: yeah so thank you for inviting me
0: thank you um i know i gave a little brief introduction of who you are Uh um because just talking to you and knowing your background it's so dense Uh do you want to reintroduce yourself just in case i missed something
1: oh sure Uh, (laughs) so so i think the first thing i always say is that i'm a musician i play the saxophone i write music uh, and then I also work a lot with uh, in uh, with other disciplines, uh, dancers, poets, filmmakers, and uh, you know wherever they can use some music. Mm-hmm. And then I I integrate that that career I've had with uh, uh, being politically active mm-hmm. in this country ever since um, really the early nineteen seventies. And more recently, in the last um, six, seven years, I've been um, taking on being a a lecturer teaching Asian American Studies. Um, I teach Asian American History, Asian American Identities, um, and a little bit about music and art and its relationship to identity.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that introduction. I know I just... Give a little speck of who you are. Because your background is so vast. Uh,
1: well, that's what happens when you get older <laughs> and you stay active, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, that was good. It's really good. Um, today, we're going to start with your background in activism, if that's the right way to say that word. Yeah, sure. Um, when and why did you get into...
1: Well, so... I, you know, I was coming of age in the 1960s, really, and, um, in some ways, it's a similar time that we're in right now because mm-hmm. there was a lot of political violence because that was one the time, uh, when, uh, the civil rights movement mm-hmm. and, actually, politics was pretty violent. So, I remember when I was six years old coming home, um, for lunch because my, I used to go to school right down there and, uh, the TV was on, and John F. Kennedy had just been assassinated. Oh wow! And the the feeling was that one of the reasons why he got assassinated was because he was supportive of civil rights. Mm. And then later on, um, there was different other political assassinations, including Martin Luther King, and uh, there was just the the country was just, you know, uh, very what do you call it? Well, there used to be a term, it was called Burn, Baby, Burn because Mm. a lot of the um, open rebellion in the streets, uh, uh, particularly in the black community, Mm -hmm. because they were protesting uh, for civil rights, for black power. And then things got a little bit more uh, closer to home when my elder brother, uh, one of my elder brothers went to UC Berkeley, yeah. and he participated in what was called the Third World Strikes mm-hmm. in 1969. And that was uh, when, led by the Black Student Union, the students of color uh, and their and friends, uh, you know, uh, progressive whites yeah. shut down the campus, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, to call for ethnic studies and other things that recognize the contributions by communities of color Yeah, in the curriculum. So it was very major. San Francisco State had gone on strike the year before, but it hit me directly because my brother was involved. Yes. And so he turned me on because he started taking Ethnic Studies courses Mm -hmm. and he was learning about Malcolm X and um, the history of this, the true history of this country. Yes. And so he relayed some of that to me and my younger brother. And so that's how I was really introduced to that. And he also introduced uh, Black music to me.
0: Yes. And you played... Um, jazz for the most part.
1: Yeah, well, I started out playing European classical music mm-hmm. but um uh, because of the uh, militant and revolutionary character of a number of black musicians at the <laughs> time, then I got really interested in playing jazz.
0: Nice, very nice. Well, thank you for sharing that and you know, thanks to your brother for introducing such culture to you. yeah, um, I think you know, you have taken on what he gave you into the community and you probably changed so many lives that you don't even know about and you know i appreciate you for that oh thank you well, and i want to go back to the third war strike mm-hmm. um used to with uh, used to Berkeley cuz prior to you um introducing that sentence or that word to me i never knew what you know what that was about. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to a friend of as mine as well, and we were like, we have never heard such, um, you know, we've never heard that in, in a history book. We we haven't heard it in the news. With that, how do you think students nowadays are benefiting from that uh, movement?
1: Well, students today, you know, at least in, in the United States, mm-hmm. Um, there is what we call ethnic studies, yeah. and that, and uh, it's shown that ethnic studies. Uh, well, first off, people find that the education they're getting, some of it is relevant to who they are,
0: mm-hmm. and that was
1: a bit, really one of the big um, issues at the time. Yeah, it continues to be an issue, but at least uh, the the data is showing that, for example, if you can learn about yourself. Mm-hmm. You can feel better about yourself and if you can feel better about yourself you can better pers- uh, persevere through college and make it to them or make it actually the data has shown that if people have some introduction to ethnic studies mm-hmm. they can they are less likely to drop out of school wow. so the basic idea is um that movement rose up to uh, demand that the education system be relevant to their mm. lives. And because we have those programs today, yeah. um, it is showing to uh, be a benefit and improve uh, what are still problematic um, what we call retention and graduation rates mm. in college. Okay, And so, uh, once again, the idea of if you can learn about yourself you can feel better about yourself Mm -hmm. and where you come from and that is essential yeah that's that's (laughs) healthy the the other way is not healthy
0: (laughs) yes i i think so too i think so too and um i i think part of that is what my podcast is about right it's all about like self-reflection and understanding who you are and understanding where you come from um as an asian american in this country where you know growing up as a young child what was some child what was what are some challenges that you face um, as a young child and then what is the same do you see similar challenges
1: today well I think that um, well one of the things that stands out is uh, my parents were immigrants mm-hmm. and even though they had uh, very good language skills they were Um, They were actually afraid that if I spoke Chinese, that I would get uh, discriminated against. Mm -hmm. And um, particularly at the time uh, we came here in the 1950s, there was this thing called McCarthyism. And then there was a fear of China. And not unlike we have today. Yeah. You know, so... Uh, the impact of uh, the rhetoric in the government, in the society against China, mm-hmm. made my folks, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, reticent or, you know, hesitant for me to take on being, the, uh, what do you call it, the attributes of being Chinese, would be, which would be to speak Chinese. Yes. So then I didn't learn. My uh, home language,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and in that, it instilled a sense that maybe that's not a good thing. Mm. You know, being Chinese is not a good thing. Yeah. And so, uh, I think that was a major uh, factor in just ba- basically stripping me away, stripping away of, of something who I am yeah. from the vi- from the get go. Mm. And so that. Um, I would say that that's probably the more, and then it just kind of built on that from there in terms of what the society was not building me up. It was actually saying, well, uh, um, stripping that away, my culture and, um, kind of preparing me not to have an identity in Mm -hmm. the society.
0: Yeah. And do you feel like similar challenges are happening today? in our culture, maybe socially?
1: Well, I would say that the blaming the Asians or blaming China for the coronavirus Mm -hmm. and then seeing people attacked on the streets openly for being Asian, especially, or elderly, Mm -hmm. I don't think that's making our young people feel uh, it's confusing, Yes. you know, at best. You know, um, I think things are different today because there's a lot of us out there organizing mm-hmm. and fighting back and resisting. But I'm sure that it's very confusing, bewildering, yeah. bewildering, bewildering <laughs> f- to see the president of the United States and saying, well, that's the Kung flu or, yeah. you know, basically just um, what do you call denigrating our culture yeah. and where we come from. Yeah.
0: I mean, I definitely hear you on that. You know, um, I think as a color person myself, I can, I can definitely relate and feel where you what you were probably feeling during that time. Um, you know, I think as a society, when we have leaders of our country, um, you know, nitpicking and picking on the people that are actually building the community. Um, it crumbles us from from bottom top and from top to bottom. So uh, I think that's one of the things a lot of young people like myself, at least that I've spoken to, they had a lot of fear. I had friends that told me they were going down, especially down to Berkeley. They mm-hmm. didn't want to go there mm-hmm. because a lot of attack happened down in Berkeley as mm-hmm. well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, thank you for sharing that. Oh you sure, know, that was
1: well. I, I think. Uh, you know, in particular, like during coronavirus, you
0: yeah,
1: know, um, there is a large number of Asian Americans who are working in health in healthcare, mm-hmm. and so for them to feel unsafe when they leave the hospital mm-hmm. or that you know the healthcare facilities that they might be attacked because they're Asian. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's pretty uh, disconcerting. Yeah, you know, traumatizing oh. actually
0: absolutely i agree i agree yeah you know what advice would you have for any uh young asian descent child or or not even mean child an adult you know whatever age they're in to feel i can't say you can make them feel safe but have some type of comfort
1: mm, mm. well in general um In my profession, in my teaching, Mm -hmm. and what I hear in terms of the the data that, in terms of what people feel is needed Mm -hmm. to be more healthier, is to have a sense of one's history. And to have one's sense that this is what we've accomplished, but this is the obstacles that we face. Yeah. And not to be, um, what do you call it? Uh, blinded by the promises of the country, but also just have, knowing what the score is as far as uh, how much abuse that we faced in our history, yes and how much we've had to um, put up with and, and overcome. and because in doing so, we can feel like yeah, we, we got this, we can get through this, you know. Because that's, I think, the, the most difficult thing, is to feel isolated yeah. and, and helpless. Mm-hmm. And we don't want our folks to be helpless. And so the to know that folks have gone on before, have faced this, and, have, and we are here today, so it's certainly possible for us to get through it.
0: That's true, that's true. Thank you. Um, you know, it's a vicious cycle, I feel it like. It is. We're in. Thank you guys again for listening to self Reflection Podcast or watching self Reflection Podcast. If you are just joining us, we are talking to Francis Wong. Um, we are going to dive into your music background a oh, little bit more. Great. Your music is about, a little bit about politics for the most part. Um, why did you choose that style of music?
1: Well, it started up... Um, being inspired by musicians like John Coltrane or uh, Max Roach, these um, African-American masters Mm -hmm. of the music. And they were making a statement like, we are human, we have feelings, We we have a view of the world. And to me, since I didn't grow up with that, in the sense that my parents were trying to be protective of me in, in a what they thought was a very racist environment that um, these musicians inspired me by their work, mm. Charles Mingus and um, I also knew that uh, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King were also fans of the music Yeah. so that kind of gave me a certain, uh, something to go on and that I should Think of my music as a way to, I don't know, liberate myself <laughs> and liberate the society.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. I, I actually went to one of his concerts. It was pretty nice. I enjoyed myself. I think I post a little bit of your concert on oh, my oh, social media. Oh, good. Weekend. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so it was nice. It was great music. You know, I enjoyed myself. You know, it depends. Despite the content of the music, it was still great and fulfilling, you know. Um, so thank you for that. You kind of talk in the middle of. Oh your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, can you explain us a little bit of that process?
1: Well, so my I'm an instrumentalist, so my music doesn't have lyrics. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it helps people for me to tell stories, mm-hmm. and as a way for people to to make it a little bit more relatable and in some ways um I'm influenced by this idea back in the in the 70s there was this idea that musicians provide the soundtrack to people's lives Mm -hmm. and so in some ways when I'm in a performance I tell a little story and I play the music then people can in their imagine in their own imagination They can imagine themselves, you know, in their lives and that this music has something to do with it and it's relatable.
0: Yeah, I I think so. I think music is something that connects people and despite your language, it it could definitely connect a whole community together.
1: Well, I think it's important to understand that um, musicians form communities Mm -hmm. and that over time we make friends either in the local community or in other cities because if you want to work in other cities um cuz you kind of have to be famous in some ways to be invited to different places but if you know people in these different cities then you can get invited yes and so then you can have you can broaden your horizons mm-hmm. so over the years i've been to different cities and Uh, I meet people and we stay friends and we don't it's not like we're all in the same band but we're in this kind of um, wide community and we have a language which is improvisational music to so that we can relate to each other without necessarily spending a lot of time rehearsing and and all that so Mm -hmm. so that's uh Kind of how I do it, yeah. You know, and so, uh, but you know, there's all these relationships, like the the pianist uh, Erica Oba who mm-hmm. was playing that day. Um, I actually met her parents first, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, and actually, yeah. the the singer who was with me, mm-hmm. so he used to teach um, uh, Okinawan music to her parents.
0: Oh wow! So
1: then, then I just kind of met that way. You know, and then uh, Dezon Claiborne was playing the drums. Mm-hmm. I met him because uh, I got called to play music in a school because we had the, there's a pr- these programs where they send musicians in the school. So mm-hmm. I got a call and says, can you come do this thing? And he was the drummer. And this was like almost 20 years ago. And so we just um, continued... To work together in all these different kinds of situations. Yeah. So it's like old friends. But, you know, we we support each other because we're... It's not that easy to be at the skill level and to make a living at mm-hmm. this. So that's where friends and relationships are an important part of survival.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So uh, for any young artist that, you know, is trying to... Become a musician or be in that industry. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give them?
1: Well, I, yeah, I just
0: want to say there's no, you know, I understand there's no one way, right, of you know getting it done. Sure, but based on your experience and your knowledge, what would you suggest? I would say.
1: Well, I think it's it's uh, we have this term circuit, like it's mm-hmm. it's important to be in the circuit, meaning. Um, it's like the network, mm-hmm. and but when you say circuit, that means people are connected. Okay, you know, so someone's the friend of someone else is a friend of someone else, or is related is the brother or the sister or somebody, or and I'm old enough to be I'm I'm a parent, <laughs> so some of the people I work with are folks that. are... You know, it's like, yeah, you know, because you know, at the concert, like my kids were there, mm-hmm. and then they have friends, you know, and so it's having, it's very important to understand that you can't do it all by yourself, mm-hmm. and then especially for people of color, we have to establish uh, people uh, relationships with people who have an understanding of how hard it is, mm-hmm. and then how we need to support each other. Mm-hmm. And so that's the first thing is to learn that you don't do it by yourself and you, one needs to get good at relating. I mean, everybody has different styles. You don't have to be an extrovert. You can be an introvert, but, but you still have to have this ability to kind of connect with people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. So uh, it's important, especially since there aren't that many of us who are going to get famous. So a lot of us are just going to be working away and there's other people working away and then we can all help each other make a living.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Because I, you know, as a young young artist myself and a lot of of other young artists, sometimes it could feel as if, like, we got to keep doing it, you know, we got to do it on our own or we got to just keep driving, keep driving. So understanding that a community... Um, building a community is one of the most important key to you know prolonging your career is important right yeah
1: yeah because there's gonna be times when you just feel like well okay for myself Mm -hmm. there are just times when I'm just tired Mm -hmm. I don't know whether I can push but then I'll get the phone call and then he says well, wow, Francis you can't quit <laughs> <laughs> we need you to do this yes you, so yes. so a lot of how I go forward is a lot of folks call me up and say they need me to do something mm-hmm. and just like I call people up and say I need you to do something and the, yes. the more we can have a good feeling about it yes. then we can stay busy and productive and you know support ourselves
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. talking about uh, you know Finding a community of people calling you and letting you know you can't quit. You can't let go. What motivational speech right now can you give to anyone that is feeling a little bit defeated during this time? Because Mm. I feel like this year has been the most challenging year Mm. since coronavirus started. But in my opinion, I feel like this year has been really challenging. In a sense that not only is the virus still around, but people are finding ways to get back into the community to live a regular life, you know, um, to move forward past the depression and anxiety that the coronavirus brought um, upon us and the loneliness that a lot of people felt during that during that time. So, what motivational? I don't know why you want to call it speech. What? little pep
1: talk you have for anyone? Well, the first thing is not to feel bad if you feel bad.
0: Mm.
1: You know, because it is stressful Mm -hmm. and the threats are real, you know. You know, so it's important to know that and then it's important to feel like you can um, express that and find people that you can express that with. So, then you can have people kind of have your back a little bit, you know? I think the second thing is just that uh, we are in a... What do you call it? I feel like we're in an all-hands-on-deck situation Mm. in the country because the politics of the society are crazy, you know? And that uh, we, we have to do as much as we can We got, because democracy is under attack. And it is important to know that this isn't the first time Mm. that democracy has been under attack. Because democracy actually right now is a code for this country. If it is more democratic, that means more people of color are gonna have things to have a say Mm. in what's going on. And that's what's threatening the more conservative, or really not even conservative, really right-wing uh, folks who are are looking to violence, yeah. to and lying and all that kind of stuff. So we gotta we gotta be a little bit courageous about speaking the truth right now, mm-hmm. and I think that that's important for artists. It's important for all of us to um, act on the truth and. Uh, So on the one hand, we got to take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, part of taking care of ourselves is to act on the truth. You know, and and me as an artist, that means I got to stay out there with my messages. And I have to also say, hey, everybody, we got some work to do. Mm -hmm. And we have, you know, we, uh, we need to do this for the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think our future is definitely uh on the rocks right now
1: yeah (laughs) right
0: on every angle you know on every angle so
1: but i think i think it's important to to note that of any time in american history um we have so many the numbers we have and the the kinds of lives that so many of us uh, particularly uh, in communities of color are we can do so much, mm-hmm. and that actually is the threat. So we cannot back down, you know, uh, from what has already, you know, we've kind of we. What's the term? We 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 stand on so many people's shoulders yeah. to, to get where we are at. So we just have to show some courage.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and lend a shoulder as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Thank you guys again for watching self Podcasts. Podcast. Um, if you were just joining us, we are talking to Francis Wong. I want to say thank you again for having this beautiful conversation with me. Oh, thank you. Um, I feel like every time I talk to you, it's never a short answer or yes or no. It's always dense and very meaty. And I really appreciate those type of conversations. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. And I also remember the first time I met you, you know, when I came here with Grandpa George, um, you, I I was telling you about what I'm doing. And I told you, I do a little bit of writing. You're like, show me, let me see. <laughs> <laughs> and I whipped up my writing and I started showing you. And you're like, wow, this is really good. You know, you tell a good story. that and, yeah. And I want to tell you, thank you for that. Because when I showed you that, I was in a really odd place with my writing. Mm. I think I was, I wasn't, not like I didn't believe in myself and in my writing, but I I had lost my creativity. Mm. And I felt like you just saying those encouraging words, those positive words kind of let me know that, okay, Lyra, you're doing like, you know, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So I want to say thank you for that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I never fully like, you know, told you how that made me felt, but I really appreciate you telling me those kind words.
1: Well, thank you for saying that.
0: Thank you. That. <laughs> thank, you thank you. We're going to dive into your personal life a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you find your voice coming from an immigrant family mm. knowing that, um, you know, mom and dad wanted you to be a doctor? So how did you find your voice, you know, doing what you do now? Because I think you're supporting a lot of people still helping the community sure. um, in the same way as a doctor would, mm. in, in my opinion, just in a different way. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, I discovered, well, first off, Particularly in my uh, generation, there weren't a lot of, um, well, I had no direct role models within my community. And so the idea that I could, and also it was also at a time when we were, as Asian Americans, we were just starting to define ourselves Mm -hmm. because let me see it wasn't until 1968 and and when a young a group of young people uh, asian americans we weren't even called asian americans at the time we were called orientals and so so we could be call ourselves chinese or japanese or filipino vietnamese or you know korean but we hadn't developed this idea that we could we should try to come together, take on a label like Asian-American at Mm -hmm. that time, and so that we can have solidarity with each other. And also that we could have solidarity with Chicanos, uh, African-Americans, Native Americans, and and, uh, so, and then to to see that music could be a way to do it. Mm Because otherwise, when I was growing up, you know, I took music lessons. I played in orchestra or band, and uh, it was great, but I was um, playing other cultures' musics. Mm-hmm. So the idea of, that I could possibly follow, like, the folks I talked about, like John Coltrane, to uh, statement, make a statement about who I am. Mm-hmm. Then then the, the light bulb went off that, oh, um, that would be a reason, that would be something that I could contribute that nobody else besides me could contribute in terms of, you know, there's, so, yeah. So that's how kind of how I found my voice. And then it's just lucky at, at, at that time, there were other people who were around who were trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been, you know, so like when I, we formed Asian Improv uh, Arts, is that there was this guy named John Jang, Chinese American, plays the piano and writes music. And, you know, we got to be great friends or folks like Glenn or Jenny Lim was a poet, so who really liked our music. So it's that then all of a sudden this world opened up. Yeah. That not only was a, uh, I got to participate in let's say the jazz community, mm-hmm. but I also was able to have a, a an identity within that you know as an Asian American yeah so so I wasn't just copying somebody's music I actually was generating a new you know something that was um, that was about me mm-hmm. yeah and, and then so I think that's kind of how I found my voice. Mm-hmm. And so providing that space to others, you know, because a lot of it's just encouraging people because the society really um, uh, beats beats us down.
0: It definitely <laughs> knows how to. I yeah. would say that. The last sentence he said, you know, the society definitely knows how to strip us down away from our pride, our confidence, our self-esteem. It knows how to, you know, belittle us. Yes. And... Um, for, I know I have been through the struggle of just finding myself and I think I'm still in that process of doing so, um, for anyone that is, isn't sure of who they are or sure of, you know, where their voice is coming from or where their voice is, how can, how can they, or what are some encouraging words? Not how, what are some encouraging words that you can give them to know, like, regardless of what they're going through, regardless of how lost they are in this moment, um, you know, as they can still come up on the other side.
1: Uh-huh. Well, to me, it's... it's A big part for me was finding people who've done it before.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and then also, it's not just the people, but also the knowledge, you know. So history, not in a very dry... Mm. book history kind of thing but the history of what like people like ourselves has been through you know so I mean that's a lot of what why I keep, you know these photos you know of yeah. my, my uh, folk my parents mm-hmm. and, you know my dad and my grandfather and you <laughs> say like okay you know because uh, you know it It's like this picture of my dad. He's 17 years old, right? And You know, he looks young, but... You know, it was a very serious photo because uh, China was at war with Japan and he took this picture to go join the Air Force. You know, so he wanted to resist. Mm -hmm. And so... uh, So in a lot of ways, I just take that to heart that I'm part of the resistance, Absolutely. you know, yeah. and so and then it's been done and here we are, you know. So um, there can be bad days, but um, there's a sense that, you know, we keep on going, you know, just like like I said, the kids were at the concert, mm-hmm. you know, uh, my wife is, you know, we're all here. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah. so it's it's a just a it's like the human chain, mm-hmm. you know, of kind of continuing on that sense of uh, hey, uh, life is worth living, and we can we have a choice in the things that we we do.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Life is worth living. I love that. <laughs> you know, as the, despite as challenging it is, uh, as challenging it is sometimes, I think it's definitely worth living, you know. It's a, it's a beautiful gift, mm-hmm. I would say. It is. And we're going to bring it into your sleep cycle, because I know oh, a okay. lot of people struggle with um, the same thing that you do in Stomia. I'm going to let you kind of talk about that for the most part. Mm -hmm. I know, uh, you kind of just off camera, you mentioned to me, you've been sleeping around 4.30 and that's an improvement. Mm -hmm. So, um, how have you been dealing with insomnia? What have been working? What has been working
1: well? There's this term counterintuitive, you know, where A lot of people think that to get enough sleep, you need to go to sleep early, earlier. But what it turns out is that if you have insomnia,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. what time you get up makes is what makes a lot of the difference, meaning um, there's this thing called circadian rhythms. And so a lot of um, the light cycle is what uh, stimulates certain hormones to be released, like melatonin or th- things that are going to make you sleepy, mm-hmm. is that you have to have, you get a certain amount of light, and then when it gets dark, then you feel sleepy. Mm. Now, I have a problem because I have made choices um, uh, in order to do my work as a musician um, well, musicians work at night, not even night into the early morning. Yeah, And then also, uh, as my kids were growing up, I, I often did a lot of my creative work after they went to bed, mm-hmm. so I've already kind of had a predisposition to resist the circadian rhythms. Yes. So now, what I'm being advised is that in order to get back to... So it, it, I have a little bit sometimes I think about it as like I have a kind of like a jet lag. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really in another another part of the world.
0: Yeah. And in some
1: ways I am because of what I do as a as a musician, right? So and one of the things that one does to um fight jet lag is resist the the urge to go to sleep when you're not supposed to go to sleep. Mm-hmm so uh um so in terms of reversing my situation i'm saying uh, i've been told by the doctors is okay slowly get your sleep time you wake up earlier and once you get up when you first you get up always go outside and get some direct some sunlight because your retinas you know your eyes activate these the, it sends the message that you should be awake mm. and then the sooner you are awake the sooner on the other end you're going to be tired of to go to sleep yes so that's what i'm trying to do <laughs> and it's it's not dramatic because it doesn't happen overnight mm-hmm. because it's been decades that i've kind of had this lifestyle so it's so it's just like okay it's like i'm just trying to move the needle because I, when I first met you I was going to sleep More like 8 or 9 Yeah So I've I've got myself back And this to is
0: 8am Yeah, <laughs> <eight a>. yeah.
1: <laughs> So um, I think the other thing That I've worked on With ins- insomnia uh, The insomnia also Is to I have to stop working I have mm. to I have to work against My natural drive To work Yeah that, You know Of course part of it is I'm 65, so I'm retiring. Mm-hmm. I I should, and I'm gonna need to sleep more. So, um, so uh, doing things before bed that are gonna instead of like getting all worked up mm-hmm. to really try to wind down. Yeah, as part because one of the things that even I think, especially when I started to become a young adult, I really didn't want to go to sleep. There was too much to do. Yeah. <laughs> it was too exciting. The world was too exciting. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: so now it's just like, okay, um, I need to kind of wind down and not resist
0: mm-hmm.
1: falling asleep and then getting up earlier in the process so that I feel tired by the time it's
0: bedtime. Time. Yeah. Okay. so. Um, what are your, do you have um, routines of whining down for, you know, maybe somebody else listening to this podcast episode might be struggling with some insomnia and looking for some ways to yeah fall asleep as well.
1: Well, so I changed my TV watching habit,
0: mm.
1: you know, later. I mean, so instead of, because I really like procedural crime dramas. <laughs> they did that That kind of works up.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know. So I, I kind of move towards watching things that are a little bit more relaxing. Okay. You know. So it could be kind of more slice of life, kind of dramas. Or mm-hmm. you know, it's, so it's not like you know, there's Heavy. no there's no criminals. Yeah. You know, you know, some people getting getting chased. <laughs> no <laughs> yeah.
0: action. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So. So that or uh, watching nature, mm. you know, and then uh, and then reading out of a book, because if you read on your phone, actually the the, the light on the phone keeps you up. Mm-hmm. So reading from a book. Um, but I have to read or literature like stories, mm. but stories that are going to relax me. <laughs> so so that's another thing. And then um uh, I have to make sure I exercise enough during the day. Mm. Because sometimes I think it's like like my daughter has a couple of dogs and got to take the dogs out and they got to yeah. run around. They have to run around. They're just going to be really cranky.
0: Yes. Yeah,
1: so 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 I have a a stationary cycle or my wife and I take a walk after dinner and then having a certain minimum amount that i'm trying to do so and then yeah. I, tra- I track myself on my little little watch here so
0: <laughs> okay okay that's good well 4 30 is better than eight o'clock yeah, in the morning yeah, so yeah. a big improvement actually thinking about it
1: yeah so i'm <laughs> looking forward to turning the clocks back maybe that's going to help me a little bit mm. you know because the other part of it is um yeah it's going to get darker earlier mm-hmm. and then um maybe that'll move things another hour
0: okay okay well thank you thank you for sharing that part of your personal life
1: (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. no well it's like people don't realize but insomnia affects at least the majority of people in the united states if not Like two thirds to three quarters, like That someone you can you can fact check it. Okay, (laughs) it's it's a major problem in the United States.
0: Yeah, yeah. And working with you know the longer hours, I think we were talking about it off camera. Yeah, and that doesn't help us as
1: well. Well, especially like I mean, you look at my situation. Just like in order to piece together a living, I have to work three, four, Mm -hmm. five jobs. You know at a time so yeah so it's you know it's not it's but that's part of the situation like if you're you know all these few folks driving uber mm-hmm. or, you know work in a restaurant yeah i mean these are all situations that are kind of uh, not so good for the sleep
0: that's true. that's true absolutely before we end our podcast episode for today um i want you to share a little bit more about um your company um Asian Improv Mm -hmm. um, and what you guys do Mm -hmm.
1: okay so I have a company called Asian Improv Arts and the improv sometimes people confuse it with improve but Mm -hmm. it's really improv meaning improvisation but lot of times when people think improvisation they think we're comedians but we're (laughs) musicians so it's more from uh, the improvisational approach to music Mm -hmm. and we started out as trying to amplify the uh, voices of asian americans making music in whatever genre and particularly in the jazz field (laughs) Uh, over time we've branched out to work with dancers and writers and filmmakers and with an emphasis on uh, supporting leadership Hmm. by because as an artist one of the main ways in which one can make a well in order to get to make more and more ambitious work and to Make a living is actually working with teams of artists. So, the idea of leading teams of artists Mm -hmm. is an important part of what we try to support. And that's so that's why we provide a certain amount of mentorship, um, um, advice on, like, say, Okay, so these are the way, this is where the money is and these are the things that you need to do in order to to access that money and those resources. Because it's not just money. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's um, what we call, uh, you know, resources like venues, uh, how to use social media, you know, all these different things. And so, Asian Improv really, our mission is to really build a network, this network that we have of artists supporting each other, but also not just artists, you may have scholars, who, because that's an important part of, of um, like uh, uh, promoting the importance mm-hmm. of our work. You know, so we got professors like myself saying, oh, like, you know, I have artists come into my classroom and I tell the students, well, this artist is doing interesting work. Yeah. you know." So, we have scholars, and then we have folks who work in funding and business. And so, have this network of support that um, can make it more possible for more artists to make a living. But also, our particular mission has to do with social justice mm-hmm. and racial equity. So, and in that sense, we're somewhat unique because we yeah. still don't have enough organizations who are truly working for racial equity
0: absolutely
1: i mean people there's a lot of people trying
0: Mm -hmm. maybe not a lot
1: (laughs) but there's people trying but then you know we have a track record of being actually in the fight yes you know for quite some time yeah yeah 35 years so wow
0: yeah so um do you guys have a social media if anyone wants to follow
1: yeah so um Look for, I think, at Asian Improv
0: okay. on
1: Instagram. Yeah. And uh, we're also on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a, my personal um, handles, Francis Wong SF. That's my Twitter handle. hmm.
0: Follow. <laughs> and,
1: uh, you know, I'm also on Facebook, too. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And as we come close to, you know, our interview, um, my podcast is somewhat similar. Somewhat related to mental health as well. Mm. And this is a question that I kind of ask almost everyone, if not everyone that comes on. Sure. What do you do to uh, take care of yourself and of your mental health?
1: Well, so this is a, you know, I'm in an interesting place, you know, because like you, I yes. met you through my father mm-hmm. passing away and he had dementia. Yeah. So uh, and uh, I'm you know I'm in my 60s so trying to think about how to deal with uh, in some ways there's certain inevitability about um, you know becoming frail or something like that and 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 then there's a certain like one has to keep up the spirits. Yes. And so, there's different things that I know I'm trying to do. Um, so I make sure, see, before I practice music because that's kind of my job. Yeah. But now I am carving out uh, practice time just to keep my mind sharp. Mm. You know. So I've. So okay. So. My parents, my dad, and my mom were into uh, French music. So a lot of songs from the uh, post-World War II. Mm -hmm. And so I've been trying to memorize. My my goal is to memorize 100 songs.
0: Whoa.
1: You know? (laughs) So I'm I'm up to 10 right now. So the idea is that then I'm, but I, I memorize the songs and I play them every night. Mm And that's, a, that's part of how I relax, too. Yeah. But it also is part of, like... Um, because physical muscle memory mm-hmm. is... You're still going to have that, even if, let's say, some, you know... Like, my father was losing his memories mm-hmm. and things like that. But he still had his muscle memory. Yes. You know? So, um, like, even, you know, to the end... He had very nice handwriting. Mm. You know, his penmanship was very good. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like staying in control of certain, you know, fine motor skills. Um, I think music is great mm-hmm. because and because I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm just trying to make sure I remember the song. Yes. And then that then there's a connection emotionally. Mm-hmm. So because of my you know my parents and stuff like that. So. Okay. So that's one of the things that I'm I'm doing. And then also I just spent, um, I think caregiving is a very, is well, it's just a reality for, increasing reality for all of us, is we're gonna have to take care of somebody. That's true. And so being somewhat mindful in the way we give care, I think that's, Because I learned a lot about, like, with my father, you know, just uh, dealing with pain and how even listening to music or um, can be part of making things more bearable and more positive.
0: Absolutely. So, (laughs) thank you, thank you for sharing. Um, You know, I. I want to say thank you again for joining me on self-reflection podcast oh sure i really appreciate you i appreciate your time and again i appreciate that conversation we had that night about my writing
1: <laughs> well i have to say you're a very striking person thank you you know um <laughs> yeah, because you know i asked you to so see your your writing and you were just very forthright <laughs> so, well here it is <laughs> And I think that's very important. Because even for myself, you know, like, uh, you know, well, I'm a lot better about sharing my my writing. Mm -hmm. So, um, but for a long time, I didn't think that I haven't had anything really to offer. Mm -hmm. So...
0: Thank you. Well, you do have a lot to offer, and you're doing a lot Mm. (laughs) for the community. So I really appreciate you. And again, thank you again for joining me on Self Profession Podcast. Um, Do you have any final
1: words? Oh no! I mean, I I just think what you're doing is great. You know, (laughs) and keep on doing it. And uh, you know, I think you you got something you got something to say, so (laughs) just go do it.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. Um, If this is your first time coming across self Reflection Podcast, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Overcast. And the link is on my Instagram bio. You can connect with me at Lira, L-I-R-A underscore N-D-I-F-O-N. Also, I have a YouTube page. It's called Self-Reflection Podcast. <laughs> so go ahead, check it out. Thank you guys again for listening. I hope you have a blessed day. Take care of yourself. Love yourself. Be kind. And be gentle with yourself. Until next time, y'all. Stay well. All
1: right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>